بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ جنائیت is the 14th of December in the year 2022 and Alhamdulillah after spending a few sessions taking a glimpse into the immense status of our beloved Messenger to mention the one who sent him Zubana wa ta'ala i.e. and his unparalleled generosity so in a report in Tabarani in his Maqarim al-Akhlaq number 116 Delami in his Musnad al-Firdos number 2155 Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhumah he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam if charity passes through 70,000 hands its reward for the last person would be equal to that of the first person giving in charity subhanallah If charity passes through 70,000 hands, its reward for the last person would be equal to that of the first person giving in charity. So what does this narration mean? So if you take it literally, then it's amazing because if you give sadaqah, so let's say a person gives 10 pounds in sadaqah, and then that person gives the same 10 pound in sadaqah to somebody else, etc, etc. It doesn't diminish the reward of the sadaqah. Each of the 70,000 receives the same. However, another meaning could be that this refers to a sal thawab passing on the rewards of a deed to another, in which no matter how many the reward is passed on to, the giver nor the receiver do not lose out whatsoever. Allahu Akbar. Who is there comparable to the incredibly generous? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So another meaning here is that you say, you mention, pass it on to all the deceased believing folk. So this is literally millions if not billions. So if you take it with this meaning, then each and every one gets the same reward. It doesn't diminish by the numbers. And this is why Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi, rahmatullahi, he gave the example of a candle. He goes, the initial candle, you can light so many other candles. And he goes, nothing diminishes. So note, this is the incredible generosity of the Almighty and Glorious. Consider also the following words of Mufti Muhammad Shafi, rahmatullahi, in Al-Balaq, page 318. When you continue making dua for a long time and you get tired, Then say, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now you give us without us asking you, for we are tired and we do not have the strength. <laughs> Subhanallah. When you continue making dua for a long time and get tired, then say, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now you give us without us asking you, for we are tired and we do not have the strength. <laughs> so, Here, Mufti Muhammad Shafi, who was, who was the father of Mufti Taki Uthman, he passed away, the Grand Mufti of Pakistan. He said that, of course, if you think logically, Allah Ta'ala doesn't need you to make dua. He knows what your needs are. But he's told us to make dua. 
However, we're human beings and we get tired. So if a person gets tired, should he then stop making dua? The answer is no. But you should make this dua. As if to say, Ya Allah, I'm extremely tired. And both you still give us. Because we are tired and we don't have the strength. So note there's unusual ways in which to ask Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Consider also the following beautiful dua of Sheikh, Sheikh Hakim Muhammad Akhtar in his work Harms and Cure for Evil Gazing and Illicit Relationships. So he said in that work, You subhanahu wa ta'ala, through your favors, have created and endowed without questioning birth in a Muslim home and gifted nobility as a consequence. You subhanahu wa ta'ala have blessed us with the bounty of Iman, a gift more precious than everything else in the universe, again, without asking anything from this. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when these are your bounties and favors awarded without asking, how is it possible for you subhanahu wa ta'ala to deprive someone when he does ask? Subhanallah. This is also recorded by Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thani in his work, The Tranquil Eye, page 132. So here, the respected Hanafi sheikhs, they're mentioning that, think about those things that Allah Ta'ala has given without you even asking. So we were born as a Muslim. We never asked for that. We were born in a Muslim dwelling. He goes, you were born with Iman. And he goes, all of this is priceless. He goes, so then he says, if you, oh my Lord, gave this without asking, these are priceless bounties, then how is it possible for you to deprive someone when he asks? So note the way that they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A question is often posed. Is there anything wrong in responding to a question by saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, know best. So when a person asks, you don't know the answer. You hear many people say this, Allah Ta'ala and his messenger know best. Was there anything wrong with that? <laughs> Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, he said, this was said during Rasulullah's lifetime, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now after his passing, one only says, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. So according to this respected Sheikh, uh, he mentions that in the lifetime of the Prophet, this was fine. But now he's passed because you only say Allah Ta'ala knows best. However, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, Rahmatullah, he differed and he stated in the work Purity of Faith, page 78 in the subnotes, it is permissible to say Allah Ta'ala and his messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam know best in issues of religion, but not in other issues. For instance, one could respond to the question, can one fast on the day of Eid? You can say Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger know best. But not to the question, will it rain tomorrow? Where one should simply reply, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. So this is again showing the etiquette. So why? And the response is, the Prophet himself didn't like this. Once somebody says, Allah Ta'ala, and he put the Prophet on the same part as Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And the Prophet وسلم, said, Are you making me equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Rather say Allah ta'ala than his messenger. Mm. Don't say and. Mm. So now 
If somebody asks you a question about the religion, the deen, according to Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, you can say that because the deen was given by the Prophet But if it's got nothing to do with the deen, you will say Allah Ta'ala knows best. And this is probably the safer approach with regards to the mud. Indeed, part of the due veneration of our loving Lord Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is simply to be content with his decree. In Abu Na'im al-Hiliyah 8-191, it mentions, Abdul Aziz ibn Abi Rawad, Rahmatullah he lost the sight in one of his eyes for 20 years. And subhanallah, neither his wife or children realized this until one day his son noticed and he said to his father, Oh father, you are blind in one eye. Why did you not inform us? He replied, Indeed being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for he has made your father blind in one eye since 20 years ago. So let's look at this. So the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it goes in your favor, it's easy to be pleased with the decree. But if it doesn't, then now to be pleased is not easy. So if you look at the Salaf, they're on another pedestal. He lost one of his eyes. And 20 years, his wife and children didn't know. So how is that possible? Because he didn't complain. He didn't, because why should I tell them? I don't need, because I'm happy with the decree. But somehow after 20 years, his son found out. And then he says, I'm pleased with Allah Ta'ala. Because he's, this happened 20 years ago. And with regards to the priceless blessing of eyesight, Sheikh Mufti Ahmad Khan Puri, he mentioned in his work, Protecting Gaze and Chastity. Sheikh Mufti Muhammad Taki Uthmani had said, Scientists have formulated that in coming from darkness into light, and vice versa, the fibers of the eyes contract and expand up to a distance of nine miles in an instance. This is the power, the might and supremacy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is also recorded by Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi Rahmatullahi in his Tranquil Eye, page 28. So look how amazing the eyesight is. When you come into from light into a dark room, your eye fibers contract and when you go from the darkness to the light they expand and what is the extraction uh, and the uh, contraction and the expansion nine miles so if you look at your eye how on earth is there nine miles of fiber in your eye and he goes this is the power the might and supremacy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so why is that fascinating because the sight is one of the great blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu mentioned that whoever loses his sight, Allah ta'ala says, I find it difficult to punish. Meaning it's an incredible blessing Allah ta'ala has given. Those who are patient upon losing their sight, paradise is theirs, one hadith mentions. But the fact that there's so much within your eye, and that's why you've got separate doctors for the eyes. Opticians. If you think about it, you know, why have you got a separate doctor for the eye? Why has he got another title? Because it's so complicated, you need a physician just on that. You've got a doctor of the ear, I don't know what you call them. You've got a doctor of the throat. You've got a doctor of the, the heart, cardiologist. Meaning the human body is amazing, but the eye in particular is a great blessing of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, it would irritate venerable souls that one complains of the decree. 
Hafiz Zahabi Rahmatullahi in his Siyah 6-439 in mentions once for Dale Ibn Iyad the teacher of Imam Shafi Rahmatullahi he said to a man who was complaining to someone else oh you how strange you complain about the one subhanahu wa ta'ala who shows you mercy to someone that does not so let's look at this so like I mentioned Hafiz Zahabi records this is in his Siyad 6-439 so a person maybe he was ill I don't know but he was complaining to another person so for their liberty Iyad says look how foolish you are because you're complaining about the one who's showing you mercy and you're complaining to the one who he doesn't show you mercy so because if you just use your logic what you're doing is very foolish Abu Mas'ud al-Balkhi, he also warned, Rahmatullah in Faidul Qadir 3-230, whoever is afflicted with a tragedy and he rips up a garment or pounds his chest, it is then as if he has grabbed a spear and intends to fight his Lord the Mighty and Majestic. Astaghfirullah. Whoever is afflicted with a tragedy and he rips up a garment or pounds his chest, it is as if he has grabbed a spear and intends to fight his Lord, the mighty and majestic. So think about that. If again, if a person's got a spear in his hand and you're saying, what are you doing? Because I'm going to war. Because who are you going to war with? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You think this guy's correct? And that is the state of the one who, when Allah ta'ala afflicts him and he starts ripping his garment, starts hitting his chest. Because he's going to war with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How true were the words of the Honorable Sa'id ibn Jubair, Rahmatullah, who said, Tawakkal, putting trust in Allah the Almighty, is the sum and substance of Iman. Tawakkal, putting one's trust in the Almighty and Glorious, is the sum and substance of Iman. This is recorded by Abdullah ibn Ahmad in his As-Sunnah 1-361, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah 4-274, Hassan. So on the face of it, it seems like a straightforward statement. It's not. The wakkal is the is the reality of Iman. So a person goes, it, but the meaning here is good or bad. So when you have been afflicted, you are content with the decree of Allah subhanahu That's Iman. But if you are resisting, that's not Iman because that's weakness. And he goes, the wakkal is the total sub- substance of Iman. As the Almighty and Glorious Himself says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah 5, verse 23, Allah And put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you are true believers. And put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you are true believers. So look at the thing Allah ta'ala is saying. He goes, put your trust in me if you are true believers. Meaning this is Iman. Thus the importance of the following dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 21158 or 6-246 he would supplicate sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As'aluka Allahumma rida ba'da al-qada I ask you O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased after whatever decision is passed. Ameen. As'aluka Allahumma rida ba'da al-qada. I ask you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
to be pleased after whatever decision is passed. So note the Prophet obviously he was living Quran, but this was he was teaching us. He goes, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. And this is why there's another report in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad where the Prophet said, you will never truly taste the sweetness of Iman until you are happy with the decree. <laughs> Meaning that if your Iman becomes strong, you actually taste sweetness in the tribulation. Because it's the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And like I mentioned, I don't know how many nights back, the Prophet himself said, sallallahu alayhi wa in Tirmidhi, he goes, uh, sorry, Ibn Majah Sayyid Hadith, some servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are more pleased in the trial than one of you would be in ease. So what's going on there? Why are they more pleased to be in a tribulation? Because it's the wakkum. They're happy with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how did they get to that stage? Because it's iman. Like Sayyid ibn Jubair said, Tawakkal is the sum and substance of iman. You put your absolute trust in Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today was talking now about our exalted and unparalleled Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we talk very briefly about his incredible generosity and the importance of making dua even if we're tired. And then I mentioned uh, with regards to can we say Allah Ta'ala and his messenger know best if a person poses a question and we don't know the answer. And then I mentioned uh, that the decree, whatever Allah Ta'ala decrees, good or bad, we are pleased. We should be content with the decree and of course it cannot be changed. Once Allah Ta'ala decrees something, it's no point complaining even logically why nothing's going to change. And this is why when Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi was asked, he goes, why did Allah Ta'ala make Qadr an article of Iman, i.e. the decree? And Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi says, because it has got so many fruits. One fruit is it makes you brave. Why? Because once you know everything is written, nothing can be changed. He goes, what can stop you from showing bravery on the battlefield, for instance? And he goes, it makes you generous. It makes you noble. And he went through all this. And he goes, this is why the decree, Allah has told you the decree. And that's why we are content. 50,000 years in Sayyid Muslim, the Prophet said, 50,000 years before Allah created the heavens and the earth, he wrote down the decree. So everything is done understood. Even before Allah created anything. Look how strange that is. You know, our death is done understood. Our entry into paradise, inshallah, is done understood. Right? Our tribulation in the grave is done understood. Our youth has gone anyway. Right? But it's done understood. Our old age, if you get to it, is done understood. So why does that, why is that important? Why? Because then we think, Alhamdulillah, this is all the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you get the sweetness of Iman, which the Prophet mentioned. So the Lord is. Are there any questions you'll have to ask Subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitanir rajeem subhanallahi rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salaamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahir rahmanir rahim wal asr innasan lafi khusr alladhina amanu wa amilus salihat wa asbihi al-haqq wa asbihi as-sabr sadaqallahu